Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, now on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go to find any podcast, musical podcast of your choice for your enjoyment. With me always is Jason. What's going on, man? Hey, it, I'm happy to be here on a Friday. I'm doing this on, on one of my days off, so I love like this. I was in a good mood, energetic, coming to talk to you today, and then we have a great guest too. But uh, yeah, I'm that's a long that's a long winded way of saying I'm doing well. Brian, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Also on a day off, so uh, all is good. I'm looking forward to uh, in a couple of weeks going to uh, Northwoods Jam in Henriette, Minnesota. That's going to be a good time. Um, then going back. Is that with there. our buddies? Is that with our friends? Yes. And going back again, like uh, a few weeks later, to see them, Dirty Roses. So, so musically, it's all good in the world. What else we got yeah, going on? Last What's night. Up? Well, last night I saw our friend Tyler Baker from Goodbye go. June open up for Hinder. Uh, they they got to do a fifty minute set, so that was nice, nice for an opening man to do. Heard some new music from them. They always put on a killer live show. I posted some stuff on our social media. And Brian, they got a new record that's going to be coming out hopefully by the end of the year. And I might have heard a couple songs from it. And I might be really, 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 really excited. I'm sure we will be. I I would expect nothing but great things from them. For sure. Tyler is really... um, taking his guitar playing to the next level too. So he said he will let us know this fall when he's ready to come and promote. But dude, it was a great show. Like no frills rock and roll from those guys. They're fantastic for those who are listening. If haven't checked them out, check out Goodbye June. Who else has up, upcoming records coming out? I know uh, Mojo Thunder does. I don't know about a working title or anything. I haven't shadowed with Bryson for a while. So I know they Mojo got Thunder. some. <laughs> yeah. Cold Stairs. They got something yeah. that's supposed to come out this fall. The Black Crows. They've been in the studio. The Black. <laughs> oh boy, we're hitting a sore spot with me, Brian. I. Are, do they? I don't They've know. They've been promising new music and stuff forever. They did that 1972 cover record last year. Um, they keep promising. I saw Chris Robinson was in the studio with somebody else trying to help produce them. I'm like, dude, just just make some music, Black Crows music, and put it out. I, I, those guys are on my naughty list right now. Yeah. Was was it on our chat group that someone had heard uh, Eddie Trunk had told someone that he had reached out to Chris Robinson and Chris had said that you know he'd come back in the fall when they got something to to promote. Well, we'll see. It's like the <laughs> all elusive or ever elusive Guns and Roses, or you know, supposedly there's new music recorded that they've done. I'll believe it when I hear it. So, and, man, I love well, the Rose; they're my favorite band, but. Good Lord, they need to get their stuff going. And that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, we have a returning guest coming up that 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 his band is working on some some new music. And uh, I don't know somehow we found that out, but 
Um, that, that's yeah. the rumor. When we have Mr. Charlie Starr back on, we're going to see if he can't confirm it and tell us a little bit more what to expect. But Blackberry Smoke, they, they, they put out new stuff every year. So I, if I hear a rumor or they've got new stuff coming out, I'm going to believe it. Guns and Roses and Black Crows, not so much. Oh, and I should mention that uh, I got some weird message from like some sort of person that thinks they're like Charlie's like uh, social media assistant. I saw this. I just started laughing. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, looking for people to put their name in the hat for a chance to talk, talk to Charlie. And I just start laughing and I posted it up on the brothers and sisters page and uh, they're, uh, they're the um, admin for that page. Eric, better known as the sheriff. Yeah, he, uh, he got it to Charlie. He, he sent yeah. it to Charlie. And he did Char- like a Facebook and Instagram thing I saw. Yeah, and then Charlie, you know, did an Instagram little video talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I have no All social media you, assistant. Brian. All because of you, you you were able to help snake out this false prophet of Charlie Star. Any way I can help. <laughs> hey, oh, well, it, it's good. Um We've got some other cool, like, let's talk about some up and coming guests that we have before we go into our guest today, but uh, Parker Barrow. So we're, we're recording this on August 11th. Parker Barrow has a, re- a new record out. I think this is they de- debut. It's a Southern rock band fronted by a female vocalist. Really good. I listened to the record this morning. It's a lot of fun. Um, we're going to have them on the show sometime soon. You heard Charlie Starr. Uh, we're going to have Andy Aldort back on to talk mostly about Watkins Glen. What else we got going on, Brian? Oh, we got Jack's Hollow coming up here uh, uh, next week, I believe. Um, we've got a, uh, there's a blues festival down in uh, Paxico, Kansas, which is kind of near Wichita. A free blues festival, the Paxico Blues Festival. Um, and we're going to talk to somebody from there. Uh, we've talked to folks this week who am I, who am I, of course, today uh, our new episode came out uh, with, uh, with Chris Kelly, you know, talking about his uh, Skinner tribute that he'll be doing tomorrow night, as this is re- recorded on Friday the 11th. Who, who else did we? <laughs> we had so many interviews this week. Who am I forgetting? That we, that we talked um, Chris Kelly, Jax Hollow. Uh, we did, um, oh, Jason Charles Miller. There so you, you should have heard that one, which is great. He is, uh, I, he does so many different things, Brian, and it's amazing. And my daughter was so impressed when she found out he helped write um, "Cruising for a Bruise," and that was that made her day. Right on. And uh, you know, once again, Blackberry Smokes comes into the to the picture that he co-wrote. Jason Charles Miller co-wrote uh, "Old Scarecrow" with Charlie and, and Ricky Medlock. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, different really version. a lot of good connections around there. It's a great. Have you have you gotten around to listen to it yet? I have. Yeah. I like it. It's good. It's it's a harder it's a harder edged version of the Blackberry Smoke, you know, version of it. So uh like speaking it. of people that have records coming out, we have a guest coming up that has a record coming out this fall. Uh we have the pleasure of talking to Emily Wolf out of Austin, yeah. Texas. She's, she's awesome, a, right? What is she? Is she a rock and roll blues? She's she's a she's heavy a, grunge a, rock and roll blues southerny can't put it in one category guitar player you can't put it in one category and you know we have a lot of bands on that don't fit one category which is great oh we just got done talking about seeing goodbye tune they don't necessarily fit in one category them dirty roses blackberry smoke she's she's the same thing although her music is 
more on the alternative rock with blues influences. And I would call it alternative rock with like neo blues. So all the blues elements are there. You can hear in some of her songs, but it's definitely more of a alternative, like nineties alternative rock sound with the blues. And she's a really good guitar player and vocalist. And her, the more I've listened to her music, Brian, the more like it, it's been speaking to me like it, you know, keeping it on rotation. So I dig it. What do you think? Oh, I, I definitely, I definitely dig her stuff and can't wait to listen to more. She's got a new single, Walk in My Shoes. She's got a record coming out that she'll talk just a little bit about it at the end of our chat. But uh, you guys kick back and relax and listen to our conversation with Emily Wolf. <laughs> Segment of the podcast, and Jason is going to introduce our guest to you guys. That's right. I'm always excited to talk to the guests, introduce them every week. This week, we've got a great uh, artist, guitar player, singer. She's out on tour right now, has a new single out and a new custom signature guitar, which we're going to get into. Brian, this is the second time we've had somebody on the podcast that has their own custom guitar. So, very excited to talk to her about that. We have on Emily Wolf. How you doing, Emily? Hey, I'm great. How are you? We're good. We're good. 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 Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Thanks for making time on your tour to hop on with us. Of course. My pleasure. <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? Hang out at a hotel all day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's really, you know, I, really not much. Uh, there's a Chewy's next door, but that's about it. And yeah, I'd much rather be. That's all you need. You all you need is like. Text food in life, right? Is there anything else? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so you you have a gig tonight in Nashville? Is that's where you're at? Yeah, I do. I'm playing the Blue Room tonight, um, which is a venue. It's it's owned by Third Man Records, I believe. So it's kind of oh. been that whole whole camp. Um, it'd be fun though. I've never played there. Um, I usually play like third and Lindsley here yeah, or like, that's a great um, venue. Yeah. Or like the basement or something. But, um, last time I was here, I played the Ryman, which was amazing, but oh, nice. I, I like a, yeah, yeah. I was, I was supporting the Gaslight Anthem on, on the road for like a month. Um, and then, yeah, so that's why, but, um, today is, yeah, Blue Room. It'd be fun. Right on. Well, Emily, we just want to get right into it. Uh, as a new guest, we always got to ask you what, when you got your start in music, when you started playing, and how that eventually led into you, you know, like uh, having your career. Yeah. I, so I, I started playing guitar when I was like five. Um, my, it, I was at a, a shop with my mom and my sister, and, and I, it was the first time I ever saw a guitar. Um, I looked down the aisle of this thrift store and I saw this like harmony guitar which was very small 
and for kids. And I thought it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I, um, I, I wanted it so bad. And so I begged my mom for it and she got it for me and I still have it. And so that's kind of when I started. And then I, I kept going with it and got, you know, into electric and the next version up was the slammer hammer strat model, <laughs> which is also, it was a hundred bucks. And uh, that was where I started with um, uh, electric and yeah, I've just been playing ever since. So. So, um, and I know like uh, probably a lot of musicians, you know, we talk about how sometimes musicians don't want to be categorized. And But the interesting thing about you that Jason and I have been discussing, we can't, you know, you can't be placed in one specific genre. It's, and, and so that's great. It's very unique. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think um, I I think it's it's fun to try and mix genres together just to see what happens. You know, like I've, I love blues. Um, I see a Stevie Ray Vaughan poster back there. A huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Um, the classic rock and then um, like pop arrangements are like my favorite thing. Try and mix and make sound um, interesting and cool. And um, yeah, I, I I guess I I it's important for me to try and have something for everybody in terms of what's out there for the listener. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. Kind of going back to you starting with your career and just progression in music. Uh, one, were you trained? Like, did you go take guitar lessons? I mean, Austin's a great place for music and you know, all this stuff anyways. Did you self-learn? Well, pretty much. So I had a lesson when I was five. and um, A lesson. Got, <laughs> a, a lesson. The thing is that, you know, um, by the end of that lesson, the teacher, he was an older guy, and, and he was like, you know, she's just like, he told my mom, like, she's just not catching on, you know, she's she just not a guitar You're player. You're five years old. <laughs> I know. And this man, it, I feel like is why I'm so driven to be the best guitar player I can possibly be. <laughs> it's like a whole lifelong thing for me. It's like, you know, to prove this guy wrong. To my, um, but uh, he, you know, he, he was, he was, he was like, how about we teach you drums instead? Because that seems like it'd be more fitting for you. And I'm like, great, let's do it. I just want to play music. So um, he taught me drums. So technically drums is my first instrument. And then after a while, I, I kept just looking over at that guitar in the corner of my bedroom. Like, I really want to play that. But I've been told I'm not good at it. But I just kept, I, I picked it up and, and just kept going. And After um, one lesson, you're not good at it. You might as well just change instrument. That's a terrible thing to say. Mm -hmm. Right? It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And I don't really know why he, he said that to me. But you know, it's, uh, if I flip it on its head and, and make it a positive thing, it has given me like this drive to be very like try and be as good as I can possibly be just so I can, you know, make him roll over in his grave. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> pretty dark thing to say, but <laughs> Sorry. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out. 
because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Um, is anything about playing the drums that 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 that, that uh, did you take any of that kind of thing into playing guitar? Is there a relation there? For sure, yeah. Um, so for me, like I I approach writing riffs very much like I approach drums, and it's very um, so like the, the 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 low E string is like the kick to me, and then the higher strings is like the snare. It's like, doom, doom, get, get, doom, doom, get, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I like to write in that way. And a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll write a riff and I'll catch myself being like, oh, it's like a drum part. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, it's like, it's like, um, it, I'll, I'll, I'll play a lot with the right hand, like rhythm stuff, and then try and mix and lead stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really like I've carried that with me a lot. Um, and I still love to play drums. Like that's so much fun. Yeah. Well, that just answered my next question. I was wondering if you're still playing. So is there ever been a time where you're trying to like do something on the guitar and then have to go sit at the drums to like to complete a riff or, or see where it's coming from? Yeah, for sure. Um it's a, it's kind of weird because I I feel like it's either a riff or a drum beat that that a song comes out of for me. And I have this like little electric kit at home and I, I hook it up to this like program called Easy Drummer and it's got all the Steve Albini tones in there. So it's like actually sounds like really good in my headphones. Mm-hmm. And then um, so the, having those actual tones in my ear for writing is really helpful. And because I like to put an entire production together before I give it to my band to learn. Because like I, I think being a drummer first and then a guitar player, it's like I I really have a good idea of what I want to hear in a song. Um, so I'll demo out everything, you know, drums, bass, guitar, keyboard, whatever, vocals, and then be like, can y'all learn this? And we'll take it into rehearsal. They'll learn it, and you know, kind of here and there, they'll be like, hey, you know what? Like we should do a different fill here, and I'm like let's do it so it's it, that's how kind of it it works for me hey real quick there's a johnny in the waiting room is that supposed to let him in whoever that is or oh yeah that's um <clears throat> that's your pr guy yeah 
Yep. And oh, also, he doesn't me. trust us. Jo I've been emailing Johnny for weeks. <laughs> Johnny and I are friends. He shouldn't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> I even gave Johnny my cell phone number. Oh, oh there he is. Funny. Oh, he. See, I don't look at my phone when I'm doing these things, and there, there's a text. Yeah. Phone. Oh, I'm just. Yeah, is, he is, is he up here just because that went through his email, or am I supposed to? Is he supposed to be in on this, or? He wants to come in. Let him in. Is that okay? <laughs> or no? Yeah, with me, totally okay. cool. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's all right. We'll interview Johnny too. He doesn't know what he's getting himself into. <laughs> <laughs> so while he's coming in, you mentioned Steve Albini. That's very interesting. I don't, I don't know a ton about him, but um, you know, I saw many years ago a documentary. You weren't there. The the history of Chicago punk and. Of course, he did the in, in utero uh, uh, Nirvana record. So you were just a fan or? Yeah, so I have always loved, like, I feel like when I listen to music, I really listen to the drums first. And I love all the Nirvana stuff. I, I really love, like, all the Pixie stuff that he did with the drums. And, like, I, so when I was, doing pre-production for my upcoming record that's coming out this year um i i really wanted to dive into like okay what's the best miking technique here what should i use on the kick where should i put the overhead mic and so i really took a lot of his tricks from from that because he's got it i mean they're iconic drum sounds like the snare is just like oh and like last forever you know that's awesome and um so i i, I I ended up picking a lot of this, like I wrote down, you know, did a ton of research, wrote down a lot of the mics that he used for those records in the 90s. And luckily the studio that I was recording this next record at had a lot of them. So um, a cool trick that he did with miking drums was he took like the overhead mics, like they're called Coles 4038. And they look like baseball mitts kind of. And like, instead of putting them, you know, this way, I was like, put them behind because I want, as a drummer, I like the hi-hat in my right mm -hmm. and the floor in here. And I want the perspective of me on drums. I want to play along in my car, you know? So like, I, I, I put them back here to get the, the, the image of of where the drummer is sitting and uh, the whole record. It's is almost like the monitor. The right where you get the monitor set if you're playing on stage even though you're hearing the other musicians come through not necessarily the drummer yeah totally yeah so um yeah i mean i i did a ton of research on that and and i love his his style and his techniques and and um all the compressors he uses like he i love his stuff so it's yeah it's kind of where I've got a bunch from. of random stuff to say, so so bear with me. A couple things. One uh, comment: I could tell now everything makes sense with you talking about how you were a drummer and started playing drums because when I listen to your music, it is very beat heavy, right? It's not like it's it, there's a lot of really good beats or a lot of really good rhythms in it, so that all that makes sense. Um, two is Brian. We should get her hooked up with Adam Hamilton, who does a lot of engineering production and uh, out on the West. Like he's a drummer and he does a lot of interesting stuff with miking instruments and everything. He plays yeah. gun. He plays drums for LA Guns on their studio stuff. He's produced William uh, Shatner and David Hasselhoff records. 
That's awesome. I mean, come on. I love Shatner, um, dude. Right. Who doesn't? He Apparently, he's a super good guy, too. But I just find this interesting, the fact that you're such a really good a guitar player, singer, and the fact you've all this kind of drumming in the back, you know, kind of in your background. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting now that I kind of look at it and in retrospect, like, I mean, I really do play guitar like a drummer, but um I, you know like to me it's it was very important to prove this guy when I was five like prove him wrong and be the best lead player that I can so it's like having these these two um you know playing rhythm and lead guitar at the same time is like my mission um and to make it interesting too yeah oh, oh absolutely um and it is it is interesting, like your guitar playing that kind of goes along with the beat. So, you know, we're a, a blues and Southern rock bass podcast, although we talked to a lot of a lot of different artists. You're kind of in the blues realm. But the way that you play your music is I'll, I'll call it like an like an alternative but neo blues style. So clearly, like, you know, your love and Nirvana makes a lot of sense when you hear your music, even some of the tones, some of the beats. But you do roll in a lot of blues influences into I mean, you got a song called Out of Blues, but. Like, where did you, I guess, in your career, like learning to play guitar, pick up the blues sound? I know Austin's heavy in that. And like kind of what made you go in this direction? Yeah. So in college, I I had, okay. So uh, do y'all remember before like Spotify was a thing? It was Brian like, and I are old. A- yes. Yes, we do. We used to have to buy tapes <laughs> and records and CDs. And yes, <laughs> I was in high school well, when Nirvana came out. OK. Oh, man. See, I wish I would have been in high school when Nirvana came out because that would have been like the coolest experience to like, you know, like, uh, OK, so like question for you real quick. Like when you were in high school and you heard Nirvana, did you know it would be just like forever classic stuff? Brian, I'll go, then you can go. Um, it was, so the thing about Nirvana, right? Because we were tailing off like the hair metal and kind of the heavy metal stuff. It was definitely new and unique. It was short and catchy. I had no idea. I like, at the time when that came out, that, that song was huge, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I had no idea the longevity or the the inspiration on music moving forward it would provide. I had, I had no clue. It was just like, what is this? This is interesting and different and completely off of what i've been listening to prior brian what about you well that's a great question i've thought about this a lot and um i was in my early 20s when that came out and you know i guess based on how it was on mtv all the time that was a thing and it's 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 kind of it's interesting to look back and go at that time you're not really thinking oh this is something epic it's just it's just the music that's coming out at that time but at that point you know, I had already kind of been veering more into like a, what a you know rock bands that had more of an uh, uh, um, natural guitar orga- organic guitar song because I was really into like you know the heavy metal bands from Los Angeles in the mid '80s and all that. So it was already moving in that direction of more organic sounds and the bands I was into. So um, yeah, it's. Like I said, you didn't think about it. Oh my gosh, this is going to be an epic thing that, that's going to like, like, like reverberate forever. And but it, it's to look at back at it now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there were just so many from like the the fall of '91 and 
on even into 93, 94, there were so many great records that came out with bands that I like, you know, too much to, to list, too much time to, you know, list them all here. But yeah, that's kind of my take on yeah. it. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah, Emily, it was a weird, that is a really good question. You know, I think as you live through like important defining moments in pop culture or other thing, his, history, whether or not you sit back and realize what you're hearing, it's going if it's going to make a significant difference. And, and again, to me, going back to the Nirvana question was the fact you had this band on MTV that looked different, that sounded different, that were different from everybody. And people went crazy over it. Like I had, I metalhead friends that were in Nirvana and classic rock friends that were in Nirvana. It was just, I didn't realize at the time, but, I think if I had my maturity and wisdom I have now, and I'm I'm air quoting for everybody listening, um, <laughs> I would probably recognize it a little bit better. But you know, when I was 16 years old, 17 years old, I had no clue. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting, man. I bet that was so crazy. Just like seeing, you know, something that different just everywhere. I bet it was Completely really, different. you know, like just such a movement. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. No guitar yeah, solos, the, the grunge fashion, you know, like the these guys weren't wearing makeup and didn't have teased hair. Yeah, yeah, just that's so rad. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, so with blues stuff, like, it is very much in my background because when I was in college, I, you know, I played guitar the whole, you know, my whole life up until college, but in college, I really started to kind of branch out and start playing in front of people. And um, and it was acoustic at first because, you know, when I was in high school, my mom and family didn't want to hear me blasting electric guitars. <laughs> I was kind of stuck with acoustic and playing at really, really low volumes with my headphones on into my great amp. <laughs> um, but so in college, um, my roommate sang and so we made a band and and um there was this like thing like in my dorm I stayed in like the the dorm where you know like it, it was like the lowest cost dorm and it was so fun and rowdy and everybody in that dorm had this software called LimeWire and it was kind mm -hmm. of illegal <laughs> you know <laughs> but we all shared music with each other like the whole dorm and um I made a lot of lifelong friends in that dorm and uh and that's where I I stumbled upon someone's library. I don't remember who it was, but I was like, what's this? Like BB King, yeah, I know BB King a little bit. Okay, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, like all the classic guitar players was on this random playlist that I saw and I downloaded it and started listening to it and I just fell in love and I started watching videos on YouTube, like every Thing I could imagine in terms of like like I watched so many BB King videos because the thing that drew me to that style of playing guitar was how emotional it was and how it seems like the way that I was feeling at the time you know I was like oh these these blues artists are like telling me how they feel and I feel the same way, but they're doing it not with words. They're doing it with like string bends and like, you know, pentatonic stuff. And um, I, I just really gravitated towards it. Um, and that's kind of where I started. And, and you know, as, as I got more and more into, you know, down the rabbit hole and learning all these Stevie Ray Vaughan licks 
and and being obsessed like I, I was like all right it's time for me to upgrade my guitar from acoustic to electric so I went to do a guitar center and and I was looking around and the thing that grabbed me was the Epiphone Sheridan which is you know kind of a knockoff of what BB King played mm-hmm. and so it was the only thing I could afford as a college kid it looked like BB King and so that's that's really what triggered you know the out of blues era for me in my career um and and ever since then it's kind of evolved you know my records have evolved more into an alternative route um but there's always going to be that blues you know background for me i think so you came on to the blues a little later so you went through high school a lot of college and kind of jumped on the blues just through sharing music interesting i would have figured it was the opposite like you started playing blues at an early age and then kind of incorporating the rock alternative rock later on no, yeah, yeah. My my parents they, they don't play music. My mom sang a little bit in church, but um, it, it, so the things that I, I I was exposed to as a kid were classic rock and Motown, and you know all of the 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 Hitsville USA stuff and like the Stat Records stuff. So like those two things were like, you know, left ear, right ear and mixed together. That was like where I was coming from. And then in college, I I branched out and, and learned about all these other artists through friends that I made in the dorms. And um, so, yeah, blues came later on. But uh, that, you know, that's kind of so Motown arrangements like I, I love. And that's kind mm-hmm. of my my foundation for like arranging a song with songwriting and then classic rock, you know, the aggression of it, like that's another piece of it. And then the blues is like the heart of it. And then, um, so there's all these different like elements of, you know, alternative, like wishing that I was in high school when Nirvana came out, like all these little pieces kind of make up how I write songs. We all thought it sucked in the nineties, just so you know, like you would have thought it sucked too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, every kid thinks their decade sucks, right? And everybody's like, hey, this is, yeah. I'm in high school. Everything's yeah. awesome. It's like when you're younger. Uh, what's, what college yeah. did you go to? I went to St. Edward's University. It's a small Catholic school, and I'm not Catholic, I'm not religious. I did grow up in church, unfortunately. Um, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm no longer religious. But um, I, I went to St. Edwards because the other alternative was University of Texas, and it just it was just too big for me. Like I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be on a smaller campus, um, and and feel, you know, close to people and and like minded people, and and that was the the campus. Like I visited it, and I really loved it, and felt immediately at home. So, um, yeah, that college is right off of South Congress. Um, uh, in Austin and then you know now um what is it 10 years later I guess I'm I'm living down the street from it so it's it's very much a part of me and my history they need a plaque or something like the Emily Wolf lobby or <laughs> in the in your dorm or something like that I mean come on oh, that'd, be, that'd be awesome in the haunted dorm yes <laughs> wait a second haunted dorm it was can we, confer- it can was... we confirm this I mean, my shower turned on by itself all the time. So, like, I think it was, it was, it was, you know, people would walk around and be like, I saw this little girl ghost. They may have been making it up, but I would, I choose to believe it was haunted. So you had your <laughs> shower that would intermittently turn on. Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. 
Huh. It okay. I'm gonna move on past that for a second. Uh, your singing voice—you got, uh, got a very great, unique singing voice. Again, not traditionally what we would think of when we hear blues or even alternative music. Uh, much like your guitar stuff, were you trained on that, or is that just something that you've kind of been able to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't trained. I was—I was really afraid to sing until I—I I was like 20, like in college. Um, like, I don't know why I was just so, like, even in church, you know, like we'd all stand mm -hmm. up and sing praises to Jesus. And like, I would be like, I'd want to sing because I love the idea of, of, of singing, but I was so shy and, and I just couldn't do it in front of anybody, even my family or like, you know, people in church. And so, um, I, I, the band that I started with my roommate in college, she sang. And she took lead vocals for a really long time. And then one day I was kind of like, maybe I could just like give it a gut. Like maybe I should send her a little garage band recording and see if like I'm any good at all. And I sent her this recording and she was like, oh, you should sing. And I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I don't know. I, 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 I consider myself a guitar player who happens to sing. Um, but I'm very glad that you think I have a good voice. It's one of those things, like, I know it's not a rock voice, and um, but I do love doing it. It's really fun. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. It's not like the typical rock or blues or, you know, southern rock voice we would hear that's a little rougher. It's very higher register clean very nice it almost has this poppy thing but it's a really nice um comparison like the end of the end of your how your guitar playing is with like a lot of distortion heavier riffs but this nice higher clean prettier vo vocals yeah oh thanks you know in in uh, taking a look at your career and, and you know what you've done and it's very interesting to see that you uh, recorded it uh, in Muscle Shoals at Portside. Um, and of course, Muscle Shoals is so famous and people go there to, you know, I think catch out of the spirits and whatever. What what led you to to, to record there? Yeah, so um, my first record from 2019 was produced by Ben Tanner from Alabama State. Um, mm -hmm. So he played Ham Hammond B3 in Alabama State and is also a really great engineer and um I reached out to him and he ended up producing it and he was like why don't you come down to Muscle Souls and see what we can do here and so uh yeah I did some of the record down there and some back in Austin and it was awesome it was like it, there's definitely like a presence down there of of um like pain and in a way that it's like easy to access like the parts of you that you want to dive into and and show people in terms of vulnerability and um it was a really cool experience to go and be in a studio where you know all these great musicians have recorded and it felt uh like such an honor and it was great working with Ben. he's he's such a good producer and also you know continuing to talk about you know musical locations you know you know you're in playing in Nashville tonight and you see so many people that 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 go and relocate to there 
was that anything you ever considered or did you feel like Austin had just as much as Nashville? Austin's talked about a lot about as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like I probably won't leave Austin unless it gets like so hot that I just can't even walk outside. Cause it's like <laughs> the sum, this summer's been bad. Yeah. Wow. It's like one Oh eight. It's so yeah. bad. But, um, I just feel really at home there and it's, you know, I, I grew up there and honestly, that's where I found my sound. Um, it's the city that I feel like I really got to grow it up in, in terms of as a musician and as a person. And um, I've been told that I should move to a, a location that's more, you know, that's easy to get out of in the touring route, which, you know, if I move to the Northeast, I'm sure that I could tour a lot more, be way less expensive for me. And it'd be, you know, I could play every weekend. However, it's just like, I, my family's there and I feel like Austin is just such a part of who I am. And I don't, I just don't think I can leave, you know. What has Austin been like scene wise for you from when you started all the way up to now? And I just want to contrast from, uh, you know, when Dave Grohl did a Sonic Highways record and they recorded in a different city for each single, he was talking to Gary Clark Jr. who at that time had said that, that, that what Austin was had become less of that. Um, what, you yeah. know, what, what's your take? What's your feel for your, for your town? You know, it's interesting you ask that because I was talking to my bass player about it. Um, the thing about the Austin music scene is it's very welcoming in terms of like, you know, if I'm a side person, people are going to try and get me work. Like, be like, hey, I got a gig. Like, I can't make it. Can you fill in? It's very, like, you know, that's the community there. And, um, but for, for artists who are not side people, it's a little different because I almost feel like you have to become a global success to be truly recognized <laughs> by, by the scene there. Um, and up until that point, it's not really, you know, you're either a local artist who gets a ton of, you know, airplay and like a lot of um, great uh, press and like very much, you know, like, like local artists, like, let's go, let's go to the show. But if you're anywhere in between local and global, it's like, you know, it's not really a thing. Um, all that being said, though, my my fan base in Austin is is killer. Like I I love playing there, and I I want to play a hometown show really badly, um, because the people who do come out to the shows are, are great, and it's so much fun. Um, so there's like these little pockets there, you know. There's um there's the super supportive fan bases, and then there's like the the press outlets that just kind of don't really pay attention unless you're in one of those camps. And so it's difficult. It is difficult to be um, kind of in between there. And, um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's still like, it's still very much good practice for, you know, to be um, rejected one day and then accepted the next. And it's very up and down, just like the whole music industry is. So it's, 
it's like in a way a good good thing sometimes yeah where do you so i'm looking at your tour schedule right now and you're doing a lot of like midwest and and east and, and things where do you where like where's your best fan base baltimore um baltimore really often, yeah <laughs> wild um baltimore is great la uh chicago and up in the new york area i'd say um and then austin yeah okay. uh yeah nashville is looking pretty good tonight though good hopefully yeah. you sell it out um you're coming to my neck of the woods september 6th in columbus the rumba room i've been there before and me and the wife plan on going and both my kids go to ohio state so we'll see if we can't drum up some local college uh, students to come out as well that'd be awesome i would love that would love to meet you and the fans well have you played rumba room before i have i really like it too it's like a little small kind of club and those are one of my favorite things to do is just like a small kind of like intimate rowdy rock show. Those are really yeah, fun. that's that's a rowdy rock club, I would call it. And I just saw the Dead Deads and the Black Moods play there. And it was that was a great show. That was the first time I had a chance to go. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, Brian, um, before you get to your question, I want to run back with one thing, Emily, real fast again. We're going to go back to this ghost thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yes, All let's right. do it. <laughs> there have been lately a lot of stuff about UFOs, right? Like they had the government hearing <laughs> on there and all this other stuff. So what, what do you think is more likely to be true, that there are ghosts or UFOs or both? Oh, my God. You're speaking my language. I love <laughs> alien stuff. Like it is like out of control. I have an alien tattoo like, really? in a UFO and he's like throwing a peace sign. So I just, I, yes, I do. And it's like. I, I feel like they're both there. I just, you know, I feel like there's like, as humans, I'm going to sound insane, probably, but who, whatever. <laughs> the people listen to this podcast, they're not going to be surprised by anything. Don't worry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, as humans, like we can only see so much with our eyes. We can only, like, I feel like our senses are not don't represent literally like everything around us you know there could be a ghost in here right now in my hotel room and I can't see it and you know that doesn't mean it's not there um but I think I mean I I really believe aliens totally exist I think they're here I think they're here to stay I love it and I want to meet one so but I want to be abducted so bad like I am ready like me up. <laughs> I, I think they would go. like your music, you know, <laughs> to take you back for a planet, you know, a show with their home planet. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, that. Here's where I kind of stand on everything, though. Like the ghost thing is interesting. My scientific mind takes over, though, on the ghost because what we know about physics, it's hard for me to think that there's something out there that has no mass takes no space, can either touch and move something or create a sound, right? Because, but there are also laws of physics and things we're figuring out every, out every day. So maybe, but I'm, I'm a big killjoy. Now the UFO thing I'm in on because I think there's too many, too many things that we're seeing here in. And I don't know, like there's just a lot coming up from it. And, and my view is we are like, the Jersey shore to alien life form. People are coming to watch this crazy <laughs> reality show because 
people's yeah. lives are kind of a dumpster dumpster fire and the planet's on fire. So like they'll pass through, watch, yeah. laugh at us, say, you know, maybe we'll talk to them yeah. in a couple centuries when they get their shit together. I don't know. That's where I stand. Totally. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, like, I don't know. This world is We could be like taken easily with, with, you know, better tech. Right? Like, come on. Like, what's, what's holding somebody back? I think we are entertainment <laughs> for the galaxy at this point. <laughs> Definitely. And honestly, you know, it's like, y'all go ahead and take it. You know, <laughs> you'd probably do a better job at running it than you would. Good luck to all of you. Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Brian, get us back on a serious track. You know, well, I, a major diversion. I'll get to my question, but then you guys sparked my interest in this. And you guys are talking about like ghosts and UFOs. I'm more guy. I appreciate the <laughs> urban legend of Bigfoot. Unfortunately, the scientific evidence isn't really there, so. I think I just want to go. I've, I've been to Walmart. I'm pretty sure I've seen one or two big marts before. <laughs> I think I just want to go traipsing through the wood with like infrared cameras and whatnot. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Bigfoot. I feel like Bigfoot's nice. Like, I feel like he's kind, you know? Well, like, he's just nobody's like misunderstood. Going missing. Yeah. He's not killing anybody. Like, nobody's going he, missing. We're not, we're not, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's just walking around, like, and leaving big footprints. It's, like, not a thing. Like, just chill. Let him walk around. <laughs> you know? like, let, yeah, let him let him live his life. He's not bothering anybody. Yeah. All right. Brian, si- we, we got we to have a new podcast idea. We're going to do the All Things Bigfoot Ghosts and UFOs podcast. Yep, and Emily things- will be our first guest, and we're going to talk all about, we're going to expand on this. The all things blues, and, blues and Southern Rock and also Paranormal, paranormal Activity <laughs> podcast. All things paranormal. <laughs> I think we have more competition if we went into that space than the Blues and Southern Rock thing. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, There is a lot out there, but but not everybody does it well. I feel like you guys could do it well. You know, some oh, people get on there with their paranormal podcast and it's just like not good because I've, I've like looked for really good ones. Very rare. What and now Brian has a serious question. I'm gonna jump over him again. <laughs> what and you said urban legends, Brian. So that's your fault, Emily. What urban legend would you most likely believe is real? Oh man, let's see. Urban legends. Let me run. We got like the Jersey brain. Devil, Loch Ness monster. We got Bigfoot. We've got like Chupacabra. Chupacabra. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what? Um, I've been watching. Uh, the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on History Ooh, Channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think skinwalkers are a thing. It's like these kind of like half wolf, half man things that just like rips apart cattle, which is like really dark and gross, but that's like what it does. And it scares people. And I feel like it's like there for sure. Skinwalker Ranch, man. That is a good show. Wait a minute, Brian. I've seen some of yeah, that. Yeah, so. It's supposed to have like all this paranormal, like even UFO stuff too, or just the, mm-hmm. the monsters. 
all of it, all of it. UFOs, what do they call it? Um, airborne anomalies or something like that. Like they Whatever think the they found UFOs a portal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they think there's a portal above the ranch and they keep shooting rockets through it. And what? I feel like at this, <laughs> yeah, like I feel like at this point, the show is like just them wanting to shoot rockets. But I mean, who doesn't just want to shoot it. rockets? I did model rocketry as a kid. I'd shoot rockets. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whenever whenever they do it, because they every episode they'll go through and they're like, okay, we're gonna do an experiment today, see if we can figure out what's weird. And then like somehow it always rounds back out to, okay, we're gonna launch some rockets. <laughs> I'm like, go off, do it, because that's awesome, and I want to see it. <laughs> but yeah, I think Skinwalker is what I would go with. It's urban legends that I would believe in. That's a good one. And you're from an area of the country too with a lot of that, you know, the Native American heritage and the Chupacabra and all that. And your last name's Wolf. So you're like, you're like, you're in on the conspiracy as far as I'm concerned. I'm in on it. I'm pro um, Ken Walker. <laughs> Part of me. <laughs> if you were to run for a platform, you're like on a, a, a equal rights for Ken Walker's platform. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute johnny keeps sexing he's like saying abort abort stop the stop the interview oh okay no 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 i was i was making a joke at all of our random paranormal <laughs> i was like oh we're not supposed to talk about this <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay well, that's funny like like brian warned you ahead of time we we have one scripted question how did you kind of get and then like conversation just goes where it goes and quite frankly brian and i love talking about random topics <laughs> yeah me too it's fun and i like to listen to that stuff too you know i do it's too great. i do too i've i'm not a big joe rogan guy by any means but he's had a couple like ufo people and some of the, the, the guys who've been in front of congress recently and if i catch something like that with some reputable guests i'll listen to it for sure yeah Totally. All right, Brian, go with your real question. Come on. I guess we're, we're talking about Emily's music career and it's trying like, to help promote herself. <laughs> and now we're back. And I think you just fulfilled your dream of alien abduction because I think all three of us just got abducted there. Just got <laughs> so we always love to ask our guests. We love to discover new bands, uh, musicians, artists. Can you, do you have, is there someone like in, in amongst your peers, your generation that's been playing about the same amount of time as you, uh, bluesy kind of Southern, whatever, even in, you know, in the style that you have and all that, is there someone that maybe we haven't heard of that you think might knock our socks off? And Jason usually has a pen and paper right there. <laughs> Man, have you, have y'all heard Salif play? Who? Salise, she's amazing, and I love her. She's uh, she plays an SD, um, and her note choices on guitar are just so cool. How um, do you so spell her name? C E L I S S E. So right. she's that. Yeah, she's so great. All right, so you talked about a guitar. Brian, we have to get into this. Let's so this is our second artist that has a signature Epiphone guitar on the podcast, first being Jared James Nichols. And I'll be honest with you, Emily, I found out about you about through your signature guitar because on YouTube, I always watch this channel called Play and Trade Guitars. And just recently, they did a review of your White Wolf guitar. They showed a clip of you playing a double neck guitar. And I said, 
who is this person? I'm going to check out their music because they've got a signature guitar and they're playing a double neck on stage. So tell us a little bit about, and you talked a little bit about why you chose a Sheraton while you were in college. It was affordable. It was kind of like semi-hollow, like BB King. But how does the signature guitar come around and like tell us about it? Yeah. So it's your second one. It's your second one. Not even your first. Pretty crazy. I still like, I don't, sometimes I'm like, what reality did I get sucked into here? Cause that's insane. You know, maybe you got, like, maybe so you cool. got abducted by aliens and this is how it happened. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did, but uh, yeah. So my, I've been working with my Gibson um, rep, Bodie Allen for years and she has always been such a big supporter and just like honestly like a really good friend and she took me and my band out to NAM, uh the trade show out there in um where is it Anaheim and it was like when was that like four years ago or so it was pre-COVID but she was like all right so you're gonna play this showcase for all the Epiphone and Gibson people. Like you just, I just want to put you in front of them. Let's do it. And I was like, yes, whatever you say. And so we played it, we played the show and it was really killer. And um, that's kind of the moment, like right after that show is when the Epiphone, Al John and Richard from Epiphone approached me and they, you know, they were like, you want to do a signature? And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's do it. And so that's kind of how the idea was born. And then they were like, so what, you know, what do you want on your guitar? Like, we kind of think it'd be cool if you did a Sheridan, not like not a, a Sheridan kind of tribute. And I was like, of course, like that's my thing. Um, and so from there, like, you know, the, the little adjustments, it was like the headstock smaller on the, the stealth, the black one. And then uh, there's lightning bolt inlays and diamond apples. Because there's not an Epiphone out there with diamond Epiphone. There's not. Epiphone. Yeah. yeah. And so I really wanted to give that to people like like me in college, you know, I, I wanted to make it a, an affordable option to get those because like there's no way everybody can afford a Trini Lopez or a Dave Grohl model. Like no way. Right. So that's a big thing for me is that the diamond apples and then like the, the three knob configuration instead of four is like very much tailored to like how I play. Like I, I never use the tone knob on the back pickup. So I was like, take it off. And um, so it's just the three. And then um, that matte, matte kind of aged, uh, aged hardware and then the matte kind of finish. Um, and then the, the the second iteration is the same guitar. It's just white, and they they uh, I think the color is aged bone white. Mm -hmm. So, and, and um, <clears throat> it's it's interesting. Like I I always go to black guitars, but they you know I wanted to do something different, and they were like, "Would you ever do a white one?" And I I I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That would be really cool. And so that's how the white one happened, and. Um. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's so much fun to play. It's honestly all I play live. Um, that and the double neck. Um, because it's got such a thick sound and the pickups are low output, so they sound really great with fuzz. Um, like the first prototype, the the pickups were high output, and as soon as I hit a fuzz pedal, it feels yeah. so bad. Yeah. Like so so bad. And and Richard from 
from Epiphone was like, oh, well, that's because like the diamond F-holes um, resonate differently than regular F-holes. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? Like, so I learned a lot through this process about guitar design. And so that's why we went to low output because that squeal was just like, it just wasn't. It was playable. way too hot. Yeah, way too hot of a pickup. You got the Alnico yeah. Pros, I believe, in these, right? Yeah. Yeah. Alnico Pros, just regular kind of stock. And um, yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun to play. And it just feels like like a part of me. Like every time I put, you know, write a soundtrack, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, it's like putting on your favorite hoodie or something. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's a great know? looking guitar. I love the, uh, I'm not usually a big fan of gold hardware, but that looks great actually with the white and the fact it's like a, a more of a brush, like it's a little duller, I'll say. Mm-hmm. The diamond F-holes, super cool. Alnico Pros are definitely a great, like they are a great pickup, particularly at the price point. Love them. And then I thought I, you answered my question. I was going to ask why you had three controls, just like one control, one tone knob for the, for the for the guitar. And that's just because that's kind of your style. You're not really switching back and forth, neck, neck, bridge, and doing anything different. Well, so I switch between the neck and bridge quite a bit. But, but like the tone, you yeah. know, like some guitars, like like yeah, for me, yeah. I've got some Les Pauls. And when I'm playing bridge, I'll have the tone knob down lower. But when I play the neck, I'll have it on higher. Right. Yeah, no, it's um, the tone knobs for me, like I just pin all the way, all the time. And I ride the volume knobs quite a bit when I'm playing. So you roll but, to a 10 because it's weird because you've got really good fuzz distortion. I figure you would actually dial it back. No, I, so I get my tone, a lot of my tone from my pedals. And um, that's, it's funny because, yes, all the way on 10 are the tones, unless I want to do some crazy like Queens of the Stone Age, like mid rangey kind of cock thing. Um, but that's pretty rare in a live situation for me. But I definitely tailor my pedals to keep the tone knobs on 10. Because it's hard for me to reach them, honestly. Like, especially that, you know, if there's a fourth one, like, I can't reach it. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like 5'4", and, and the, the guitar... Well, that's a big, a big guitar. guitar. I mean, yeah. that's a big... You know, those, <laughs> solo, those hollow bodies are good big guitars. Yeah, they are. And But that's the thing, too. I, I love big guitars, and I love heavy guitars. And there's so many people out there that are like, I, I would never buy your signature because it's too heavy. And I'm like, I mean, that's totally cool. I get it. Yeah. But like, I want to wrestle with it on stage. I mm-hmm. want to like attack it. You know, I can't do that with a light guitar. Um, so that's like my prep. Yeah. Yeah. And you got a super slim 60s neck on there. So what, which is great. Cause you know, if you want to play and like, you don't do crazy stuff, but like you do cool leads. Um, one wrestle guitar do you do you change your string gauge are you going up to like a heavier gauge you making the the action a little higher because those 60s next usually the action's a little on the low side yeah so well i play regular like 10 to 46 gauge on um my my black ones and then the white guitar i've been doing drop c string so it's like 12 to 60 gauge because there's some songs in this new record that i've got coming out that are in drop c and the same with the double neck, like, um, it's funny because I was playing in Green Bay and this, this lady came up to me. She's like, why, what's the point in a double neck? Like, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, so the, the top, I've got, 
regular standard tuning string, 12 yep. strings. Yep. And then the bottom is essentially a totally different guitar. It's drop D with 60, 12 to 60 gauge. So going, you know, I do a cover of the slider by T-Rex and there's this like chunky fat rhythm kind of semi lead part that's in drop D. And then the solo, I have to play it in standard because it's like, that's just how I learned it and how I wrote it. And so I, I switch between both guitars during that song. And so it's cool to have two, you know, two totally different options, like right there. Yeah, that's, that's actually really interesting. The fact that you've got a different tuning on the six string, because usually people don't do like Jimmy Page. He really didn't necessarily do a lot. Your cover of the slider is awesome. Brian, the last year we've had two really good covers of the I think that came out in the last year, year or two, your slider cover. Yeah. 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 Two great T-Rex covers of the slider. We had you and we had the Black Crows do it on their 1972 record. And they're very different, but also very cool. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And you've got another really good cover out there, Brian, of an 80s classic, uh, Till Tuesday's Voices Carry, which is wonderful. Thanks. Thanks. I love that song. Um, yeah, it's such a timeless song. And it, it's honestly like I wanted to put guitar on it, <laughs> you know, like guitar <laughs> leads. So it's like, oh, I should just like cover it so I can't, you know. But you've got a good voice um, for it again, like that that prettier, like higher range, a little bit voice. And it works extremely well. And then the mood of the music that you play on the guitar and with the rest of the band, because it's a somber song, works extremely well for you to cover. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Glad you like it. It's awesome. And I'm a big fan of Holy Roller, too. I can't get that song out of my head. So when I, I saw the play and trade <laughs> guitar thing, I checked out your catalog, your your album, Emily Wolf, you know, self-titled. It's got a lot of good shit on there, man. I really, really love the style on that record. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a fun one to do. That's the one Ben Tanner produced. Yeah. So for the rest of your rig, how about your uh, pedals and amps? Yeah, pedal. So I play a, my amp is a Fender DeVille, Hot Rod DeVille, 410, 50 watt. And I like it because it's very, um, it just doesn't have a lot of character. Um, because I, I want that to be a canvas and then the pedals to be my paint colors. And that, like, it's just so much fun to have all these options on my board to do whatever I want with on the fly. So my pedals, like I've got a fuzz pedal called the dirt transmitter, which is a discontinued fuzz. Uh, by, uh, I love the name dirt transmitter. <laughs> I know it's awesome. And then um, let's see what else. So I'll EQ that um, because playing, playing a 335 style guitar through an amp that's kind of flat is there's a lot of bottom end. And so in order to be heard in this mix, like my bass player, he covers so much ground sonically. Um, and so I, you know, I got to cut the lows a bit and then boost the mids and then take that high end down a little bit. And so EQ is like my favorite and it's like not the sexiest pedal in the world, but it's just like, it's such a Swiss army knife for tone especially because I play a lot of different size venues. Like um, I'll play, you know, 
a stage that's the size of my pedal board and then go play a stage that's like for like 2000 people or something if I'm supporting another band. Ryman. Yeah. 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 And, and so like having the ability to control the frequencies of that and tune these pedals that I have to the room that I'm in is, is really fun and important. And so there's buzz, there's an OCD that I also EQ the bottom end out of. Um, the King of Tone was a gift from my buddy, Brian Fallon. And then- Wait a minute, Brian Fallon, um, that name sounds familiar. Should we know that name, Brian? Brian no, Brian's like the historian guy. Brian Fallon. Yeah, uh, Brian, he's, a, he's in Gaslight Anthem. He's a, oh, um, there yeah, we go. Okay, all right. Our buddy David yeah, Hudson, we, Brian loves gaslighting at them. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, Brian and I um, developed this really cool friendship on the road and, um, you know, get each other pedals and stuff. Did and... he do a solo record not too long ago? Yeah, yeah, there he did. There we go. There, yeah. now it's all coming together. I got a light bulb above my head now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the King of Tone, I love the King of Tone. Um, and then I've got a Flint, a Simon Flint which is my fa it's one of my favorite pedals because it's one side is reverb, the other side is tremolo. And the reverb, you can pick 60s, 70s, or 80s. So it's like spring, room, oh, yeah. or like some kind of process sounding 80s reverb. And then the other side is the tremolo, which you can do harmonic, tremolo, um, optical trem, or I forgot the other one. There's a third option though. Um, so that's a really cool, flexible pedal. Um, so yeah, that's some of them. Yeah. You are a gearhead because in, in following up on like originally that play and trade guitar, looking you up, like there's a lot of things, guitar world, Sweetwater stuff of you talking through your rig and showing off the stuff. So you really do love all the pedals. I love them. I love them so much. Yeah. It's like so fun to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like the well, I mean, I think you had a super great description, actually, when you said the guitar is your pal, your canvas, and then the pedals are your paints to do. That's a super great description. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I, you know, I wish I could be one of those players that shows up and gets all of their tones from an amp. Like, I really wish I could just plug and play, but I just have so much fun doing, like, playing with pedals. It's just too much fun to, to not do for me. So, um, yeah, I, I have a pretty big pedal board, but it's like, it's worth it to me because it's so much fun. You're the second guest in a row that has unintentionally given us an idea for a cool band name. It's the Dirt Transmitters. Oh, that would be a great Southern rock band. <laughs> that is cool. All right. As we're having to finish up this interview with you, it's time has flown. Unfortunately, that means you're going to have to come back, but you got a lot yeah. of stuff in the works here. Uh, you got a new song out. You already were talking about a new record. So everybody listening right now, Emily, what, what can you say? What's coming down the pipe for you here? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I put out a single called walk in my shoes last Friday and it's a that lot resonates of really because... well. I'm in Ohio and me and my family helped break down issue one so that's amazing that's amazing yes yes um and then what else uh yeah that's so cool that's so cool that y'all help do that that's so great um let's see what else is going on and then in september i've got another single coming out and then um 
then another one coming out and then the record comes out in October. Um, so it'll be a fun little fall coming up for me. And then, you know, touring all next year. So three singles in a record. Do we have a title for the record that you're allowed to share? I'm yes. Um, it's called the blowback. Um, and it's, uh, I got the name because a lot of these songs are very much driven by, um, being really tired of the bullshit that's come along, you know, with, with global issues and national and, um, a lot of, you know, relationships that have personally deteriorated for me, uh, in my life. Um, so it's been a tough year. And, and so this record is about pushing up against depression, not taking it and blowing back from, from all of that stuff. So yeah, it'll be fun. Well, we'll be excited to hear it. And we really appreciate your time. Um, we didn't get to our lightning round, our stupid questions, but we sort of touched a little bit with the UFO. And so that's kind of, yeah. so you're going to have to come back when this record comes out, at least to do a lightning round and just talk stupid stuff with us. I'd love to. I would love to. It was so much fun chatting with you guys. Yeah, anytime. Where do we send all of our listeners to go find out more about you, your records, your merch, find out where you're playing on tour? Um, they can go to my website if they want to. Uh, just emilywolfmusic.com and Wolf is spelled with an E at the end. Um, or Spotify, Apple Music, you know um youtube like whatever instagram all the all the different things everything is just like the handles and the wolf music um so it's pretty easy to find well you heard it go follow her website social media she does great music if you love 90s alternative mixed with blues great artists to listen to emily was a lot of fun having you on over to you brian well thank you so much uh for emily wolf come on and be a guest uh, we'd love to have you on again and again, as Jason just said. So thank you so much. Uh, the new single is Walk in My Shoes. Thank you to Emily Wolf. Thank y'all so much. We'll talk again. Thank you so much for Emily Wolf for coming on the podcast and, you know, adding, uh, you know, we're going to change the title of the podcast to the All Things <laughs> Blues, Southern Rock and Paranormal Activity podcast. I think we could, I think we could I, do something with that because it, it, you know, as often our conversations do, they took a turn to a different um, area outside of music. And Brian, honestly, those are some of the most fun conversations we have on the podcast, in my opinion. Yeah, we this week we went from you know an imaginary steel cage match amongst the <laughs> two social media kings, and now uh, paranormal activity of your choice of your liking. Yeah, yeah, you know, a little bit of everything. We had some ghosts, we had some UFOs, chupacabras, skinwalkers, uh, you name it. And Emily was absolutely game to talk about that. She was a lot of fun, man. I was she was as fun to talk to as I had hoped to hope she'd be. Man, I got Bigfoot as a bass player. We think like Bigfoot, ET. What Bigfoot's ET, absolutely ET a bass player. Plays the percussion. Who else we got filling out in this paranormal band? I think. Okay, so you're right. E, uh, Bigfoot plays bass there's no other way right i think et percussion or maybe even keyboards right because didn't he have there like the, or close encounters yeah. close encounters of third kind had all that there weird keyboardy stuff to it um i think you would have to have like a vampire be your lead singer there you go they've got the stage presence and the ability to hypnotize right the audience so i think you know and the, they're also the pretty boys or the pretty people so they're they're the lead, lead singer who play guitar Chupacabra. Chupacabra guitar. <laughs>
<laughs> Chupacabra on guitar. Yeah, Chupacabra could be absolutely on guitar. I think for sure. Aliens on the keys, uh, Bigfoot on bass, Chupacabra. Chupacabra could also play drums. There you go. I think a Chupacabra would be a better drummer. Probably a little while. section of Bigfoot and Chupacabra. That would be amazing. That would be like heavy to rival like Zeppelin or The Who or something. And somehow you 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 got a thing where E.T. was on Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. You were talking so about we the, need our, the we keyboard need our sounds on Close Encounters of the Third Kind that E.T. was not on. <laughs> right. Let's pretend. <laughs> we'll pretend. Um, guitar player. I mean, do we go with Skinwalker since that was uh, Emily's favorite urban legend? Why don't, why, how, how come just Emily can be the guitar player? How about that? She likes she's the, a wolf. she likes the paranormal stuff, and she's a wolf, so that counts. There you go. There we got our band. We got our band. We got our paranormal band. What, what did you take <laughs> away from the interview other than our paranormal band? Uh she's very charming and great to talk to. Um, I like that she could like go in any direction with us and and talking. Um, once again, I love you know uh, guitar players that although she's not specifically just in the blues genre, but plays an Epiphone. You know, they're just so like the, the you know, nothing against the Fender Strat, but that's so common in in, in uh kind of bluesy kind of artists. And she plays it, Epiphone, so I dig that. Yeah, and what I would, didn't ask her, which I thought was really cool, was obviously she's working with Gibson Epiphone. She's got a rep, she's got a signature Epiphone model. She could move into a Gibson if she wanted to. The fact that she stayed with the Sheraton made her own model the way she wanted is like happy with it. I think that's awesome too. There's a lot to be said with, I'm good with it. I mean, Leilani plays Epiphone. She could play all these Gibsons, but she mm -hmm. likes the Epiphone models too. So um, yeah, man, I think, I think that's really cool. Like she's no frills down to earth and uh, stuck with the Epiphone frame. And I'm going to, when that white wolf comes out, I'm going to have to go to the guitar center or somewhere else and check it out and play it and see what it's all about because all the reviews look really cool. Yeah, and the question I didn't get in, it was towards the end, just lack of time, but she talked about uh, that guitar being heavier, and I'm like, I think it was a hollow body, so I wonder. Yeah, well, <sighs> you know, like the, the, the Epiphone Bonamassa 62 335 I have is heavy. One, because it's got that tremolo bar tailpiece, which they typically don't have, so that's a little mm -hmm. bit more metal. But I think what's happening with Epiphone because you're seeing a little bit as they cost a little bit more money than they used to is like the material, the wood they're using, uh, maybe, you know, thicker apply or, you know, more presses to make it thicker. They're using a, maybe a bigger center block down the middle and it's mm -hmm. adding some heft to it and also not cheap hardware. So they're not right. using like the, you know, the, the cheapest garbage metal that you can get. Mm -hmm. They actually have some, um, some uh, like, you know, stuff that'll last. So I, mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing, Brian, why the weight's up a little bit. The, the review of the guitar I saw, the guy even said, hey, like this is actually, you can tell it's a little bit of heavier weight, but I think Epiphone has just upped their game on quality and that's added weight to it because you're using better stuff. Well, it's just occurring me, occurring to me that Emily said something similar to that Andrew from Them Dirty Roses, Roses told us about his last ball. He's, I remember him saying you have to earn the notes because of the weight you have to fight it and she yeah. she mentioned that same thing so that that comes up something about you know just the it must be the conquering of that it's like don't give in to the weight yeah it's not easy there's there's pain to go along with the pleasure of playing for sure yeah and, and i once i had an epilogue thunderbird bass and i gave up to the pain even though that's like the coolest <laughs> looking southern rock type of bass 
It is. It There's sounds a lot fantastic, of but it's like a telephone pole with a surfboard. Yeah, it is because just like the um, you know, the Firebird guitar, the Thunderbird bass, the neck goes through the body of the guitar, which is you don't find that really anywhere else, and it's it's a, a heavy heavy sla slabs of wood going on there. Yeah, but no, Emily fits in very well with with our our kind of taste and a lot of the other artists that that we've that we've uh, talked to and and the personality. I, yeah. And usually I, I I don't like, you know, emphasize, you know, like, you know, female guitar player, just guitar players, but she does fit in very well with, you know, those others that we talked to, Jane Lee Hooker and Breeze there and, and Leilani and Aaron and Jax. So. Absolutely. I love to see these younger females coming out and this, that play guitar and are fierce and stuff. I love it about this, these generations that it's, they're in with everybody else. They're in with the guys, and there's no issue with that. That's how it should be. Well, for sure. So thanks again for Emily for joining us. Uh, we've had a long week of podcast guests, a busy week, but uh, that's how it goes sometimes. So always remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 